Well, welcome back to Three Part Par, episode number 15. Uh, I hope a lot of you have been listening and paying attention to some of the picks. We've obviously had a couple of good weeks, which we will get to in the results. Um, thanks to Will for standing in last week. It was really good to have him back on the podcast and have a bit of a chat. This week, we're changing gears a little bit. We've got a friend of mine from many, many years ago who uh, now works in the golf industry, Mark Stevens, who's a teaching professional at Sandy mm-hmm. Golf Links. Mark, can I, before I say Mark, can I call you Steve-O? Absolutely. I was going to say, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> Mate, welcome. Thanks for having us. Good uh, good to be on. Nice to have a chat about some golf. It absolutely is. I um, We were just chatting before we started recording and um, yeah, I think we went to high school together through, God, it must be, how many years ago now? It's got to be nearly 30 years ago now. Gee, we're A little bit old. scary. The 30-year <laughs> reunion is next year. It will be too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a million years ago. But you you came out of school and went straight into coaching or into working in golf. Is that right? Yeah, into golf the whole time. Sort of uh, the golf bug bit me when I was oh, 12 or something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember even at school being able to get a bit of a pardon from winter sports so I could go and play golf. So, um, yeah, took over from cricket. And, um, yeah, it was just forever you know, working at golf courses and hanging around it and caddying and just, yeah, followed it and end up um, making a making a career out of it. Yeah, well, I, I think, as we said before, when I probably last, or well, I last saw you down at Sandy, but before yeah. that, I remember you were out at uh, Tuller or Airport, I think it's called Airport Golf now. Is it called Airport Yeah, did the traineeship at the old Melbourne Airport Golf Melbourne Club. Airport, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, which many of people don't know is there. Um it's yeah. it's it's a it's a little country track that's not far from the city to be honest it's very tight um if anyone does go and want to have, have a hit there so don't miss the, the small greens or, or uh, hit it in the trees because you will you will run up a big number um got to be got to be a good iron player around uh Tuller, as we that, call it yeah that, that's that will be why i don't normally play well there then um <laughs> so where 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 did you go after Tuller? after you did your traineeship how what, what was the progression post that yeah, it was a bit of a journey. Went sort of ended up over the the north northwest for a bit. Sort of went to Rosanna for, for a year or two. Um, that was under Richard Cooney. And um, if anyone knows anything about golf in that area, there tend to be a lot of Collingwood people around there. So me as a Carlton man, it's like you're Carlton, yeah. That was hell working for <laughs> Richard. No, he's a good bloke, but um, bloody Collingwood people everywhere. Uh, Rosanna and Heidelberg for a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, up to the frog, growling frog for a couple of years. Yep. Um, and then spent most of my years at Q before um before Sandy. So yeah, Q was a fantastic job. Um mm. so I was always in the the coaching and or operations, but mainly in the coaching area. So um still got a lot of friends from Q who uh find their way down down to Sandy from time to time. And yeah, it's been a been a fun journey. Were you at Sandy pre the OCM renovations? No, no. Um, well, my my little background there, and um, yeah, my dad told me this is my uh, my grandparents had their first date at Sandy in nineteen forty wow. or something like that. So, a uh, bit of an affinity with the area, with Nan being down here and and Dad's side of the family. But no, I mean, played it as a kid. Um, you know, a bit of an iconic venue down here. Um, but it was in need of a refurb, and Jesus got a decent refurb since uh, since COVID with OCM coming in, and um, they now call it because Royal Melbourne um, do the maintenance on it. They mm. refer to it as Royal Melbourne North Course. It's a, it's a it's a <laughs> baby like Royal that. Melbourne. Yeah, RM I do North. like that. It's yeah. a um for anyone that visits Melbourne, the first question I get that's a golfer is where should I play? Um, and a lot of them don't have necessarily access to the the Sandbelt tracks, the Kingston East mm. and Royal Melbournes. And the first place that I say is if you're not heading too far out of town and you're not going to head down the peninsula, your number one stop has to be Sandy. Even if you're going to get down the peninsula, it's a, it's a really, really good day's golf. Um, yeah. Because you get you are getting Sandbelt experience. Like those greens, especially for a summertime, and the way those bunkers are cut, and they've just done an amazing job there. Yeah, they're they're fantastic OCM, the the guys that re that redid it. Um it offers everyone something. I, I say to my mates that are on low handicaps, I'll challenge anyone to come down first time and, and shoot better than thirty Stableford points and I don't care what your handicap is. Yeah. Um, but equally for the you know, we've got tons of new golfers there. 
they've designed it so that basically you can hit the ball along the ground and there's an avenue to the green. Mm. Um, and if you want to go the aerial route, the spectacular shots you can. But um, for someone that's new to it and just wants to bunt it down the fairway, you know, the fairways are wide enough. You can chip and run it onto the green and, and have a bit of fun on the greens trying to figure out um, <laughs> how to get it into the hole. That's where the that's where the real fun of Sandy is. I agree. I think it's amazing how many people, when they first heard the course was getting a Renault, were excited. But then yeah. when they hear things like, oh, they took out all the par fives, oh, I, I don't think I'd go down there. It's like, I'll give you the tip. It ain't, it ain't going to change your score. You're not you're not going to break par. You're not going to get sick of making birdies. I promise you. It's going to give you a proper test. Um the, yeah. Some of the some of the holes they they are not necessarily long, but you need to have some strategy in your kit bag. Um, oh. And like you said, even when you get it on the green, there's some lumps and slopes and stuff that are going to push you around. You and when they're running quick, and which they do, like you said, the the RM guys are um, maintaining it. it it's, yeah. it's very very tricky, very tricky. It is, and it. Oh, I find like it happened to me, and I'll tell everyone that that goes down for a game there. So you need to play it twice you know you sort of maybe two days in a row because you'll walk off the first day scratching your head how you had so many hits yeah. and um generally yeah if you if you go to the back of the green and sort of look back towards the tee you think oh, okay i needed to hit it here i need to hit it yes. there and all that sort of stuff so fascinating place and it's it's a bit of a uh, as i said they call it baby royal melbourne and it's there's it's not too dissimilar um from a from a design perspective so well worth well worth a hit down at sandy yeah, I think it's a good example of public golf. There's been a lot of um, talk this week about what's happening in New South Wales with um, the public courses in the middle of Sydney being now regarded as something they're going to push to Parkland. Um, but yeah, I think Mike Clayton spoke this week on the Matt Mollica's podcast, um, Australian Golfing Passport. Um, they spoke to him this week and talked about, you know, the best way to move forward with a game that's absolutely booming is to invest in it not to close yeah. courses down um and and this is a great example of a course that was there it was a good course you know wasn't one that you were dying to play they put some money into it state governments put money into it um and made it something special and obviously um the facilities now that you guys have got there um for your world is uh, are amazing um even just from from the outside your teaching facilities and that, they look great yeah look we're super lucky it, it's tied into the um, Golf Australia High Performance Area. Um, so they've got all the, you know, the physios and the gym and that short game area down the bottom is just out of this world. But we're super lucky. We've got three studios there where we can teach from. So um, you're hitting over the driving range. You've got your full track man facilities, all the, you know, the video capture, motion analysis and all that. So as an experience, just to come in and hit from this bay, um, yeah, it's second to none. Even, you know, when the weather turns sour, as it does in Melbourne, um, we can close the doors and then turn it into into virtual golf on the inside as well. So it's it's a it's a pretty neat experience and it can be for, you know, we, we, we teach kids there, we've got beginners and experienced golfers. It's yeah, it's sort of a it's a fun thing to do at least once. Yeah, for sure. And the driving range now, obviously that opened a little while ago as well. It's got all the track man stuff there where you can um scan your qr code and save all your data that every time i go down there it's getting busier and busier um yeah i'm assuming that's been pumping still the last few months yeah just yeah look if anything we probably need to double the size of the thing it's (laughs) it's yeah 30 bays and they're trying to find a way to try to make it get bigger so um yeah gets to a point on weekends in the afternoon where you got to wait for a bay um you know the locals embrace it You've got golfers on the course, but then you've got families that come down, groups of kids. That's the bit that we love seeing. You get the, you know, the 14, 15, 16 year old kids. They um they're just drawn to it because of the um the top tracer. Yeah. Well, they're fascinated, you know, how far did I hit it, how far offline and hit it further than my mates and all that. And um, yeah. yeah, they're just you know, great thing for kids to do on the weekend too. A hundred percent. It's um mm. and some of the games you can play on that top tracer for the kids. I saw where they're hitting either fish or frogs or something like that. Yeah. I saw some kids playing and they were going mad for it. It's just great <laughs> getting getting golf clubs in kids' hands is is never a bad thing. Yeah, well, it, it it's it it speaks to the strategy from so we got the up, upstairs we have got the the offices of Golf Australia and PGA the the governing bodies mm. and 
the shift has become has gone from you know tr getting the traditional golfer into a private club, getting a handicap and all that. To um, the philosophy now is golf is golf. That can be mini golf. It could be you know going to a um, you know a holy moly and having a drink. Yep. It can be driving range. It can be the the Himalayas green that we've got there. It's just if you've got a a club and a ball in your hand, you're playing golf. Yeah, exactly. It's, it can be whatever you want. So enjoy it as you please. It's good that you mentioned the Himalayas. I was just about to mention that. Um, it's it's very for people that, at home that don't know the Himalayas is at the old course, um, in Scotland. But you've got a very similar lumpy, bumpy putting green down there, just on the gates as you come in. How, how busy does that get, and and sort of how does how does that sort of setup work? Um, you can always get on there. It's a like it's a, yeah one of two in the world, so very very unique with really extreme slopes where you know the ball funnels here there and everywhere um almost by default we lucked into um our junior clinics we do a lot of the putting down there yeah um because they get you know when we're trying to teach kids how to green read read greens um subtle slopes aren't there aren't usually their thing but you get them on here and um <clears throat> you know they can throw it up the top of the hill it comes flying back and all that so um as an educational thing for their visualisation and getting a sense of green reading, it's fantastic. But um, equally, you know, on a weekend, you get a family going in. I think it's 20 bucks for a family, 18 holes, and the 18 holes would take you an hour or so. Yep. Um, just a nice, unique experience. And then, you know, go and have a coffee afterwards and all that. It's a nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree, mate. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's a really great initiative. Um, and like mm -hmm. we said, just getting... Getting golf clubs in in kids' hands and people's hands that don't normally do it is, is never a bad thing. Absolutely. Now, with your coaching, um, obviously you're coaching down there. You have you've got two or three of you there, three. Yeah, um, two full timers and a couple of part timers sort of adds up to yeah three full time at the end. Yeah. So you're down there for anyone that is. Um, we've talked about lessons before. I, I mm -hmm. highly recommend people getting a lesson, um, if especially if you're thinking about going and spending some solid money on new sticks. Um, there's nothing bad about spending some money on lessons before you go and do it because if you do change or improve, uh, you might find the sticks they need to be upgraded or something like that. So get ahead of it first. If someone does come down for a lesson, what, what's the what's the sort of what's the cost and how does it all work for them? Um, so adult rate 140 an hour, um, juniors 110 for the hour. Um, you've got yeah, essentially there's four of us on the list. There. So there's myself, uh, Chris Donovan. Karina Bryant, um, she doubles up as the club fitter. Um, so we we do uh, we fit Callaway, Titleist, and TaylorMade there. Uh, and Zach Morwood's just jumped on as well. A few of you that have been over at Brighton may may know Zach. So um, yeah, the four of us are there covering uh, you know twelve hours a day, seven days a week uh, between yep. us. And look, if you if you want to know any more, if you just go through PGA Academy, um, search that way, you'll find us there. That'll send the link to Sandy and who you want and what time and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we've we we cover a lot over the with the coaches. We you know we do corporates with the stuff upstairs, but then you know your traditional one on one lesson. But what what we do a lot of at Sandy is a ton of get into golf, which is um, people that want to have a try for the first time five-week courses, weekdays and weekends. Um, a lot of women taken it up um, since COVID. And it's a it's a brilliant environment where it's, as much as it's a premium facility, it's also extremely casual. You know, you turn up in your, you know, shorts and singlet or your, you know, your active gear and all that. There's no dress code, so to speak. Just don't offend anyone. Um, come and have an experience. You don't need to be, you know, the world's best golfer. It's um yeah, it's a fun thing to do. I'll ask you a question. This is going to be your first question that uh, you're not prepared for. Right. If if all the things, I mean, you would teach a million different people a million different things. You'd have a million different swings and things that you've had to work on and see. What's the best piece of advice in in golf into coaching that you've ever been given or 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 helped someone with? And that's a really <laughs> broad. I know that's a real broad question. No, well. No, we're going to leave expletives out, but Tiger was quoted the other day and they asked him the same question and he said, get off and I'll leave out the bleep YouTube. <laughs> um, no, it's... I agree. <laughs> it, well, look, 
we say that we get it every day, okay? And the, the guys that do the stuff on YouTube, it is good content. What we find is people end up coming in for lessons, going, oh, I've seen this, I've seen that, um, but now I'm a bit confused. The content's great, but how relevant it is to you, um, the way you're swinging, the way you're playing and all that, that's sometimes where it gets lost in the mix. Um, this, so going back to your question, every day from, again, from beginners to, to you know, experienced players, I just go back to the most simple philosophy of, you know, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to hit the middle of the face and it needs to be square. That's what makes the ball go up and straight. And there's a ton of different ways to find out how to get that to happen. But I think we lose sight at times about, you know, in simplicity, what are we trying to do here? Um, yeah, if you just work on your contact, um, and I'm talking about hitting down on the ball, finding the middle of the face, it's the ball usually goes pretty good when you hit it out of the middle. Um, yeah. And forget what's happened before and afterwards. Yep, square face works all day, every day. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on the on the lessons online. I, I obviously bump into a lot of people around the traps, play a lot of golf, and I think, like you said, the, the online watching videos online, whoever it is, um, yep, great. You can get some info out of it, but mm. you you very much struggle to see your own swing without putting it on camera or having someone who knows that it's watching yeah. there to see it. And that's one of the keys of, of getting someone like yourself, a lesson well, someone like yourself. Yeah, we, we talk about it with people in lessons where, um, say you've gone down the range with a mate and he said, you know, for right-hander, oh, you've lifted your head and your left arm's not straight. Yeah, You can, in, most people that have, you know, consumed a bit of golf can sort of see what's wrong with a swing i can pick a hole in tiger woods a swing that's no problem um but how relevant is it and what's going to have the greatest effect on you you know hitting the ball better or you know enjoying your golf more that's the bit that we can do um you know that, that classic left arm straight typically it's tied into grip and the way your wrists work mm -hmm. um so it might you know on the surface, yeah, that's a mistake, but it's something that unless you fix your grip, for instance, you just can't do anything about it. So, yeah, um, yeah it, generally speaking, that that advice, it's uh, best in one ear and out the other. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, mine, mine's, uh, my swing is too long, but yep. I'm making a lot of, con and I don't know where it came from because it never used to be this long, but it's got longer. Um, but I'm hitting the ball well. So I, I'm, I'm, I need, the biggest issue for me at the moment is, the minute I feel it's gone too long, my brain goes in, you know, in that split second goes into overreaction that you've swung it too long yeah. rather than yeah. just worrying about hitting the ball. And if I just concentrate right. on hitting the ball and forget about it, I'm playing fine. It's just getting the other part right. out of my head. Well, this is it. The, you know, the textbook swing, so to speak, theoretically, no one does that anyway. It's there as a reference. You know, what's too long, what's too short. Yeah. Um, let's use John Rahm as an example. Why does he swing yeah. short? Because he was born with club feet. Club, he can't yeah. move his hips. And he's, he's just got no mobility through his ankles. Now, it's not textbook, but I tell you what, I'd take his swing every day of the week. Oh, you're, you not, know? you're, not, you're Again, not alone there. No, squared impact. That, that works every time. I remember the first lesson I ever had, uh, I think his name was Ron LeBrock. He was down at yes. Riverside in, in Essendon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he said to me something that stuck with me forever. He said, "No matter what happens, you and actually sorry, it might not have been him. It might have been Spencey over at um Albert Park. Yeah. Either way, coaches that I've had, you know, on and off for a long time as, through the years. He said, "There's no point me putting Tiger Woods a swing on this screen and and comparing you to that because before we even start, you don't have his body shape. You don't look like, like you're better off." Peter Lonard, great. Yeah, I look more like Peter Lonard than I'm ever going to look like Dustin Johnson or Bryson or anybody else. Let's start with that as someone that you can probably mirror against before we even get out of bed. Um, Absolutely. Because everybody's different. Everyone's different. Yeah, they all are. Um, yeah, interesting example at Sandy. Um, last last Christmas, I had to work over Christmas, and this um, there's a woman in the gym, and I thought, gee, she looks familiar to me. Anyway, she's there, and she's a Korean woman. And um, with respect, not a specimen. She was, I don't think she was five foot tall. Yeah. Um, and let's just say didn't look overly athletic. Anyway, this woman and, and, and a younger woman, I figured out they were pros and all that. And 
they worked 16 hours a day, about four in the gym and 12 out on the course and using the facility and all that. Um, the woman was um, Jia Shin, yep. who I would say her achievements in the women's game parallel about Rory in the men's game. So this quiet, unassuming woman, she, as I said, you wouldn't sit there and go, I want to do everything she does just based on on the appearance. Um, bloody hell. I saw what this woman was doing in the off-season. And talk about, um, you know, your podcast, you know, relating to gambling. Yeah. We're not allowed to, but this yep. was in the weeks before the um, Victorian Open last year. Yep. And I saw what she did. Yeah, as I said, 16 hours a day for 16 days straight. And um so geez, I won't be surprised if she does any does well at the Vic Open um at the start of this year. And yeah, she got up and won it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. You get yeah. the get the knowledge somewhere. I just yeah. looked her up. So uh sixty-four professional wins, uh yeah. five foot two, LPGA oh. tour eleven, L E T six uh six wins, uh Japan thirty, Korean twenty-one. Um, ALPG tour four and then one on the ladies Asian tour. Um, yeah, she's won majors too, I'm sure. Has won the women's British, um, yeah. but she's also had a T5 at the Chevron third and a T3 twice at the women's PGA, T2 at the US women's. So, yeah, yeah, can play no, golf. Absolute star and absolutely wonderful person. So, yeah, this is this is what happens down there. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Um, mate, now we're going to move into Lucky Sevens, which is literally. Me asking questions about you and your golf. You would have heard some of these questions before, but people don't know your answers, and I don't know your answers, which makes it a bit easier. Mm. Um, favorite golf course you've ever been lucky enough to play? Royal Melbourne. Is a specific? Is it west, east, or composite? It is the whole piece of property. It is yep. God's greatest creation. It is just I've not been to Augusta, not been to Cypress Point. Um, I can't comprehend another golf course anywhere in the world being better than royal it's to me if it was in america it's number one yep. in the world it's just the most amazing piece of land with the most beautiful architecture heaven on earth i don't uh i think anyone that's played it would appreciate it and again i'm going to reference another podcast that my competitor uh scott and matt's um australian golfing passport they did a show on the East course a little while back. They've done the West before and they took composite the other week. Um, I think the West course is ranked like number six in the world. And they talked about, yeah. well, if the composite, if if West is six and there's 12 holes that, that are in, on that in the composite, where would the composite rank? And they, they, I think they effectively said that it'd be top, top two or three courses in the world um, comfortably. So you're right. It's, it's a, it's an absolute specimen of a golf course. And if you're anyone's ever lucky enough to get a game or gets an invite, it's um, yeah, tools down and go and take advantage of it. Absolute must. Yeah. Um, number one on the courses you'd love to play that haven't yet. Yeah. Augusta. Augusta. Yeah. yeah. I've been lucky enough to be there, obviously not played there and I'd be 100% certain that invite's probably never coming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that's going to, I think we had Stu Kerr on a mate of mine from Adelaide a little while ago and he, he said, you need to ask that question differently. Is what course would you want to play that isn't Augusta? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a, a common answer, which is a few people have been different. I think, I think, um, yeah, there's no wrong answers. I mean, everyone has something special in different courses around the world that they look at, even here, that, that they just would love to play. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, obviously a pretty common answer. Um, yeah. If I wanted to throw something out different, well, I suppose more as an event than, than the course, but, um, uh, the the where they play the waste management. I'd love to oh, sit yeah. up in front of forty thousand people and get a shot and know that you're going to get booed the crap out of if you don't get it on the green. That'd be something. So yeah, yes, TPC <laughs> Scottsdale. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, that would be that would be amazing. I think that's the difference in our skill levels in golf. I would be petrified and wouldn't find the club face, and and you'd might be, <laughs> you'd be probably a real solid chance of hitting the green. But um, yeah, no, that that would be a bit of fun as well for sure. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, you can only have one masters or the open, which one do you, which one do you take them? Yeah. Yeah. It's the masters for mine. It's the masters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. And I might cop a bit of flack for that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it in I, your brain when you've only got one though? Are you winning it, watching it, playing in it? No, no I'm winning it. That's winning I won't, it? I don't want to go there yep. until I know that I'm not going to get an invite and, <laughs> 
your chances and my chances are very, very similar. <laughs> no chance. I've still, I've still oh, got no this chance. dream of, I think, so I'll, I'll, I'll play seniors golf in not too long from now. Yep. And I've just got this image of, oh, geez, I wonder if you win the senior British Open, if that gets you into the Masters. So there's some ticket to Augusta. I Something. don't fancy walking it unless, I'm, unless I've got the sticks on the back. So, um Hoping for the um, hoping for the miracle, but otherwise might have to make a trip there yeah. after fifty. <laughs> no, mate, I don't, I don't, I don't hate any of those plans, mate. I, I hope you get the chance because, uh, yeah, I'll definitely have you on the podcast and you can tell me all about it. I, 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 <laughs> I had um, a mate on a little while ago who caddied there for a couple of years, um, and he got to play it a couple of times. He's, he lives in Augusta, and and I'll get him on before the Masters next year. Yeah, um, and they can give us a full rundown of and hopefully some. Some stories that he hasn't shared before. No, uh, yeah, that I think that's a bit. Yeah, you know, the the stories that you learn when you're there. Like I've heard, mm. um, I think Warney spoke about it when he had his game there. Yes, um, and he think he said he had a hole in one on sixteen, stuff like that, and yep. the oh, just everything about the place. It just absolutely fascinates me, and everyone says how the slopes are so much greater than than they look on tv and all that yeah yeah just um they are i can attest to that and it's a tough walk it's like you are you're properly knackered walking down tan it's a i've told people many times it's a ski slope your head will fall off at how steep it is but yeah yeah, getting around all day you you sleep very well every night and the thousand beers you've had at a dollar (laughs) a pop or whatever they are but you're definitely sleeping well well here's one for the for the everyday person if any of you know mark allen Yes. He um he was doing TV for uh, Channel Nine when they were covering the Masters. Yep. And um so the day after the Masters, there's a like a ballot for all the media. Yep. And his name came out of that, so he got to play the day after. So they leave the pins in the same spot as Sunday and all of that. And Mark being Mark um got drawn out. And he said, "Oh look, I haven't got my clubs." You know, I don't really want to hire clubs and all that. Look, I'll pass. I'll get a game next year and all that. And uh, <laughs> he lives to regret that decision, as I believe. Oh my lord! I did not. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that. That obviously about that ballot before, but I didn't hear anyone have knocked it back. That is, yeah, that's a very, very gutsy effort. I don't know yeah. that I'd ever. Be we don't want to have regrets in life, but I reckon that'd be one of them. I'll be right up there for him <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. There's another good story. I've got to, I'll try and look up the podcast. I can't remember what it was at the moment, but there's a there's a very good story about a couple of amateurs. I'm trying to think of who it was and which podcast it was. It might have been um I might have been no, I'll have to look up and find it and I'll share it on social media. But there's good stories about these guys um living up in the um the crow's nest for the for the master's week and carrying on and, and properly going out and getting on the piss a little bit and then going back into the clubhouse and going downstairs into the champions locker room. And uh, one of them, one of them tried on one of the green jackets and yeah, uh, very, very good. Very funny. I think it might've been Ricky Barnes would have been Ricky Barnes. I think um, Ricky Barnes tell the story. So I will look it up, but it was very good. Very funny stuff. I'll find that and share it. Sounds Great like stories. Yes. Good stuff. Um, now, which one would you prefer the feeling of striping a drive or flushing an iron? Mate, I am the worst driver in the game of golf. <laughs> I actually hit one about three months ago and claimed that is the best strike I've ever hit. To feel that one more time in my life, I'll take yep. it. Yep. There you go. I think yep. uh, I'd, my, my answer changes every week. I, <laughs> I hit the driver well in the last few weeks, so probably I'd like to feel the irons being flushed a little bit again. Yeah. Um, when you're putting, I don't know how, do you get to play much? Like how often do you, do you actually get out and have a game? I make a, yeah, I, I make a point of playing, um, particularly so when you come for a lesson and you, you've experienced this, that, and the other on the golf course, um, I want to have a level of understanding and we feel the same stuff, right? So um, I've got a bunch of mates at Northern Golf Club in Glenroy. I've kept my membership there. We play virtually every Saturday. Um, we're all at about the same level and we have our little four ball matches for beer and a bowl of chips and all that. And um, it gets intense. I can tell you come the last few holes, the um, when we say playing in front of a crowd and get nervous, nothing compares to the, the grief that we get. Um, yeah. Coming down the stretch, trying to hold a putt for a bucket of chips. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. it. It doesn't matter what it's for. It's all about the pressure. No. Yep. Yep. Um, um, so we, when you're playing, is it pin in or pin out when you're putting? Definitely out. 
Okay. So you're old school, like me. um, And I am. I am. But I just love the noise of the ball going into the hole. Yeah. It draws it. I it. I reckon it. Yeah. I hold more because I just love hearing that noise. That's all it is. Um, I know Bryson. He studied it, and Dave Pell's before him. I believe, percentage wise, you're better off to leave it in. Um, I just found. I remember in COVID when you couldn't take the flag out. I just yeah. found four and five footers. Um, I got that distracted by the damn flag. I my putting process is about putting. This is just a little. Uh, uh, insight for the for the listeners i imagine if let's say if it's a straight putt i imagine there's a 20 cent coin 18 inches past the hole directly in line with it and i just try and hit the coin and let the hole get in the way and okay. um i couldn't see my coin and i started missing yes. putts because this damn flag sticks so uh, yeah out every time now before i move on from this you've just reminded me something because I, I do people at home probably don't realize this but i actually did homework I read a stat that you had 21 putts in a round once. Correct. I um, wouldn't have 21 putts in the front nine. Yeah. Now. Tell me. So Tell me the correct. story. All right. Um, oh, I've got to remember the name of the place. Um, it was in Tassie, and the Cadbury factory is OB right on the first hole. Um, Claremont Golf Club in Tassie. Yep. So great affinity with it. Now, the key to having 21 putts is missing a lot of greens. <laughs> so, I love it. So, so your average pro is going to hit 12, 13 greens in a round, and I think I hit five that day. Yep. And it's very easy to one putt from a foot. That's the part, of, the one part of it. And I think the five greens I hit, I think I made four birdies. Hold one bomb, um, but just chipped and bunkered my way um yeah beyond of anything i've ever done before so yeah it was um what was it 15 one putts and two two putts it's uh, good three that, two putts yeah it, it's good that you tell that story because it's a very good um mini segue to what i do with stats and yeah. there's stats that i don't look at and one of them is putts per round because it's, people yeah. come in and say that, oh, yeah, I had this many parts. Like, yeah, if you didn't hit a green, if you hit them all, that'd be great. You know, you would have shot 60. But, oh. um, yeah, if your green's in regular up and your parts are down, great. But, yeah, I think you, that's a, a great example of a stat that you need to be mindful of when you're looking at the numbers. Yeah, it's um, well, I know, like, I couldn't imagine being Adam Scott. He just hits a close all day. Every now and again, when you hit 15, 16 greens and you just feel like you're two part everything for part, that does my head in um but the stats say that you're only likely to hold two to three of them um so yeah the like the strokes gain stuff i love doing that and i'll I'll ask the question um you know even for the beginners i put them out at eight feet and said all right best putter in the world how many out of ten do you reckon they're going to get in from here and the standard answer is eight nine or ten out of ten yeah no no if tiger woods or um, cam smith was here they would average five yeah. Best putters in the world, 50% at eight feet. So um, you can hit it to 15 feet all day long. You're still probably going to two-putt yep. every hole. Maybe one, one gets lucky. No, exactly. I think it's um it's a good example that people just put too much pressure on themselves thinking they should make everything. But, um, yeah. yeah, realistically, you're just not going to. No. And for the punters out there, just get the ball 18 inches past the hole every time. It's very hard to miss from 18 inches and you'll get your fair share. Just get them past the hole. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I have historically been someone that dies it into the hole and I've always thought about trying to aim at something past the hole, like you said. You've got yeah. the image of your coin. I think that's something that I might have a think about trying to use. Yeah. Let the hole get in the way of the ball. Yeah, that, that's a good, that would be a good result. Hmm. Um, are you a dew sweeper? Or a half set and sunset. Yeah, in the morning or the afternoon. Afternoon as much as possible. Yep. Is it um, uh, twilight? Twilight golf or just afternoon? Yeah, just in the afternoon. Um, yeah, when the sun's out. I'm not overly keen on getting up too early in the morning, and um, oh, especially if you're trying to, well, if you're half serious and sort of trying to have a bit of a stretch or a warm up beforehand. I'm not good first thing in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely in the afternoon. Um, Finish at a time when you can have a have a beer afterwards, and then go home and have a have a quiet dinner after yep. that. No, yep. I like that idea. Uh, and the last one is: Have you got a favourite golf memento or keepsake, either in your bag at home? 
something that just resonates with you from golf? Um, yeah, I mark um, my golf balls with a Fijian one dollar coin. Okay, what? Why uh, the Fijian one dollar coin? Oh, uh, Fiji is my my happy place. Um, hey, you were there not long ago, weren't you? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I sort of find my way over there once a year or so. Um, yeah, just a holiday, but I just no, I love the place, love the people. It sort of it um, gets me back to back to simplicity when we, you know, we can overcomplicate things in life. And um, so I'll throw a, a Fijian one dollar coin down there when I uh, when I mark the ball, and um, yeah, that sort of keeps me keeps me on the level. Oh, that's good. I like it. I think I think we can get a lot of comments of people liking, uh, sorry, having something like a ball marker as their as their little memento because it is something that's that you can have that's a little bit different. Um, and I think yeah. people do like using something special that that resonates with them. I guess. Yeah, and we're also, um, you know, we've got our our habits that we like to get into. I don't know oh, about yeah. you, but it's it's you know. Um, left pocket, two T's, ball marker, pitch mark repair, and all that sort of stuff. It's um, yeah, fascinating to hear everyone's little uh, idiosyncrasies. Yeah, and when someone else doesn't do it, they're weird. Like I, I have to take yeah. my glove off between every shot. I have to. Of course. And of course. people look at me like, yeah, why, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know how you don't. Like I, I just, <laughs> I just, it's just the weirdest thing in the world walking around with a no. glove on. I just feel yeah. very, very awkward. Well, if you want to hit a crap second shot, yeah, keep it on. Yeah, keep no worries. Nah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're a different breed, us golfers. <laughs> that's true. And very, very um, superstitious for sure. No doubt about it. Um, I'm going to quickly run through last week's uh, golf. Um, we'll have a bit of a chat about that. If, uh, did, you, did you watch much golf? Yeah, a little bit. Um, not as much as I had done certainly in COVID, but I, I lean yep. towards the European events. Um yep. I was a bit lucky this week though. I've got a guy staying with me, a guy by the name of like Ryan Lumsden. He's um, basically the best in in the world at what he does. He's a 3D biomechanist, um, worked with a bunch of guys, starting back with Faldo, um, Henrik Stenson when he won the Open, a ton of the basically the best European players and anyone that's associated with Pete Cowan. And, yeah, he's here for the week for the um, Asia-Pacific Amateur. So yes. we flicked the tally on Sunday night and he was uh, one of his – so he, he works with coaches and does the, the biofeedback, um, uh, Minji and Minwoo Lee, uh, two of his clients. So yep. um, he was very keen to watch Minji hold that winning putt on Sunday. So yes. I watched the women Sunday afternoon. Yes. No, I um I think uh, I watched a lot of the women's. Um, but it was good to see Minji win, um, mainly because I do send out the email on a Thursday with my picks, um, and Minji was in the th- one of the three that I picked, so that was good having her win. Um, she was paying, I don't know she was paying, maybe twelve or no seventeen dollars, which was good. Um, but it was just a good, good watch. I think last week I got pipped by a first-time winner, and I thought Alison Lee might have been doing it again to Minji. A little bit mm-hmm. down the stretch, she caught her. They went to the playoff hole. Um, and that shot in that Allison Lee hit was phenomenal, yeah. but for 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 Minji to hit it inside her, um, probably half the half the distance was just just pure absolute pressure, and she just handled all of it. It was just amazing. Yeah. No, she's really come of age. Um, like when you watch her on the range, you you can't comprehend how she ever you know makes a bogey. Yeah, she hits it that good. But um, yeah, I think since she won, I think it was heavy on. Um, oh, three years ago or so, just that the maturity is a tournament player. When it's yeah, when when the pressure comes, they just they get better. And yeah, yeah sitting in here with with Ryan, yeah, whatever distance she had in the last, he said, "No, she'll stick this." Like just yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, and I think it was about an eight footer for the win. Yep. Um, it was an interesting comment actually. He was more nervous about her missing. There was about a two footer to get into the playoff. He said, "Oh." bit worried about this one but when she had the eight foot he said no no she'll release this straight in the middle and um, yeah, yep, right. bang in she went yeah that'd be uh it'd be interesting watching someone uh, watching the golf with someone like that it has that kind of insight to such an insight to someone's game and oh, knowing no. kind of almost how the story is going to play out before it happens a little bit I yeah guess. yeah absolutely the other one that um Probably, I don't even no, I didn't see it on the socials, but I saw it in the one we're watching it was Lynn Grant. Lynn Grant on the drivable 16th or 17th made yeah. what everyone thought was a hole in one, but she'd already mm. rinsed her first one into the water. It was a hole in three. 
So yeah. good birdie, rock solid birdie, yeah. um, but just absolutely hilarious because people on the green were going mad. Um, yeah, and she was a bit sheepish as she pulled the pulled the uh, ball out of the hole, which was pretty funny. Funny story, just to digress quickly. Mm, I've got a mate Brad Rain at Tulla, uh, Melbourne Airport. So he's never had a hole in one officially, but if anyone knows the fifteenth hole at Tulla, it's a little par three with OB at the back. Um, ball almost ends up on the runway if you hit it too far. Yes, hit his first shot over the stick, finds it out of bounds, and then has to go back in the back to the tee. It's a stroke round. He popped the next one in <laughs> for a nice little three. Yeah, he says I've had a hole in one. I said no, mate. Fair to say, everyone's made sure he always knows it's a three. We have let him know about it well and truly. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Love, love those stories. Yeah. Um, the other events, uh, the SA Players Series event was on. So Austin Batista shot six under 65 final round to win by one. I think he shocked himself um, when he got across the line. I, I was chopping and changing all the channels and trying to keep up with all the events on the weekend. With so many events in Asia and one here, it was a bit tough. Um yeah, amazing final round, but I don't think he thought he was going to quite get there, but he did. He got there by one. First win since the 2021 NTPGA. Um, he had T13 at this year's NTPGA, so he clearly likes playing there. But in the middle, between that win uh, in 2021 and, and the win last week, he's had 27 starts around the world, or OWGR starts. He's missed a cut in 20. So just great to see someone so happy and copying a win because he was clearly just wrapped to do it. And he was a guy that was one of the most top ranked AMs in the world, you know, five, six yeah. years ago. Um, And took two years off, went and worked in charities all around the world and uh, amazing story. So if you look up Austin Batista, anyone that wants a bit, bit more of a story, just absolutely amazing story for a guy that just literally gave it all away for two years and, and went, went and worked in, in places like Israel. Um, Just yeah, phenomenal to see him winning golf events again. Um, have you ever played with? Uh, play, play, do you ever play in any of these events? All the um, Aussie Tour and all that sort of jazz. Uh, minor events. Um, no, I'm not that good, mate. To be quite frank, um, sort of. No, nah, never did really much. No. <laughs> Let's just leave it at pro. No, nah, you're yeah. right. Pre qualifiers and all that, and the dare to dream and everything. But uh, no, um, probably did better as a caddy. Um, caddied yep. a lot on the Aussie Tour. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Oz Opens and Masters when the really big deal in the you know yeah. late nineties and two thousands. But nah, um. And he. But I got to say, as a caddy, well, uh, you said something before. I thought you you get more nervous caddying than you do playing. It's 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 amazing when you <laughs> when you don't have that uh, that control. But um, with Austin, that that isn't it crazy? The game you can you can lose it and. It's not too dissimilar to anyone else that plays. There's a point when everyone wants to give up and you think you're never going to play well again, then out of nowhere you go and do something <laughs> like that. It's just yep. phenomenal. Yeah, It is. And, the, yeah. and you hear him speak and you read the articles about him and, you know, he talks about he, he talks about being, I want to be a top 10 player in the world. I want to win, win majors. And mm. people will look at it like, oh, he's mad. But he's yeah. not mad. He, that that's you have to think like that. If you're not thinking like you want, you are going to be or could be one of the best. You're never going to be one of the best. I can one hundred percent, hundred percent. Yep. Uh, it was good to see him win. Um, mm. The we didn't have the winner in the in the uh, players, but we didn't have Austin. No, I don't know what he went off at, but it would have been a solid number. So um, plenty. If anyone yep. did back him, good luck to him. <laughs> um, the Andalucia Masters on Adrian Moronk, the, the Polak, who we absolutely love, Aussie Open winner last year, came home. He came home like a bloke who knows how to win tournaments. Yeah. Uh, Matthias Schmid, Matty Schmid was playing good golf, um, but just he didn't have that killer in him, but Moronk did. Um, final round 66, he had two eagles on the front. So I, I don't know if anyone watched much of it, but yeah, he, he holed out one on a par four. Uh, one hopped it in, but he also then made an eagle on the par five that everyone was kind of making birdies and, and a couple of made eagles on. And he mm. drained a birdie putt from about 4,000 feet on the, or just on the front nine, which got him really into the mix. Um, yeah. We had, we had in the picks, we had um, Mansell who, who I'd taken at about 80 to one and he was right there as well. So it was basically between Schmidt, uh, Moronk and Mansell. Uh, Mansell bogeyed 17 or 16 par three and Moronk made birdie. That was the difference between the two of them. And, and Matty Schmidt just couldn't quite close. And in the end, it, Moronk was good enough. Um, yeah, he's just he's just a guy that, you know, obviously missed out on his Ryder Cup spot, 
probably would have burnt a little bit. Um, but again, getting another win, probably that's got to be third or fourth win in the last 12 months. Yeah, once they get their confidence up, those guys, you know, and uh, we spoke about Minji before, once they know they're winners, they, it it has that snowball effect. The, the belief just goes through the roof. Um, yeah, you see it time and time again. They take a long time to break through. Uh, Moronk, oh, a couple of years ago only, he was, you know, right at the end of the money list trying to keep his card and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, um, yeah a couple of wins. And oh, we saw what he did in the Aussie Open last year. Yep. Um, staring down the face of Adam Scott. Um, the belief's there, and then they find a way to win. Yeah. I was uh I was reliving that on Friday. I was lucky enough to go and play golf at Victoria Golf Club on Friday. Um, so big shout out to Dan, Old Salty Dan. Uh, so if anyone wants to see some cool old golf clubs on Instagram, go and follow Old Salty. Um, Dan and and myself and two of his two of his lads from up uh, Lismore went and played, and it was just a a really really good um a good day out. Um, but we got to about the uh seven no seventeenth hole, and I said. I just remembered I bet Moronk last year. And, and and they're like, what made you remind you of that? I said, because I remember yeah. Adam Scott, he won OB here. And put me right. back. I turned off the television thinking there was no way Moronk was going to win. Yeah. And Adam Scott gifted him, uh, gifted him uh, whatever he made, double on the on the 17th hole. Mm, mm. Tough um, hole, that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I did the opposite. I think I pulled it out to the left, nearly knocked it over onto the 18th. But um, nah. it, was still a, it was still a good day. It was still a very, yeah. very good day. Amazing track too, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, I hadn't played there since the another the the guys that did the Renault OCM at, at um Sandy had obviously done the Vic Renaults and I hadn't played there since then. So um, yeah. it was just a, it was just a good day out. It was perfect weather. Um, two of the boys had never um never been on the sand or one had been on the sand belt before. One of one of the boys had never been on the sand belt, so it was his first day out. So it was a good um. It was a good test. It was a it was a winter, uh, sorry, a summer's day. It was a little bit, um, not quite getting baked out yet, but it was it was on the way. You could see, um, it, you could see that it was going to be a little bit. If if we had a couple more days of it, it was going to be a proper. You know, the greens would have started turning purple, and it would have been baked out yeah. like a billiard table and in real fine form. But it was just a little bit, a little bit of still giving the greens. So the boys had a good day. Absolutely, um, it was a good one. Oh, sorry, I did say Lismore. The boys are in Ballina, of course, not Lismore because they're near Byron Bay. Um, but yeah, the two, one of them works, um, I think they're both, both pros and one of them works at, um, at the golf club there in Ballon. I'm not sure where the other second guy's got works. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, uh, Adrian Ronk. It was his third win. So he had the Aussie open last year and then he won the Italian and then he won this. So very, very mm. good 12 months for Adrian. Absolutely. Um, the other big event was the Zozo. Oh, sorry. Before we skip on from Andalucci here at Masters, I did put up some picks for round one, um, multi and it did win. So if you are on the email, you didn't see it on the email. I did post it on Instagram because I, I don't like sending out too many emails, but put up a round one multi for four groups and we picked all four winners and that paid about, I think it paid 40 or 50 to one. So I had a few happy um, happy followers sending me messages, which was pretty good to see. Always good when people um, are winning, betting responsibly and winning as I put in that post, which was good. Um, the Zozo, conveniently, we had another win. So I had Morikawa. We had Morikawa in the picks at 14 to one, which was good. Um, he had a, he had a very very good week, but his final round was phenomenal. Seven under, he just went straight past a, a little bit like um, about, uh, about Adrian Moronk in the DP World Tour. Eric Cole and Bo Hostler in the final group just were nowhere near it, plugging away, scratching away, scratching out even par rounds. Um, and then yeah, when you've got uh, Morikawa shooting that sort of number and going past him, he just he put it in cruise control with about six holes to go. Um, He's a class but, above, yeah. His irons are just freakish. Um, if he he's a bit like Hideki, if he has a good week with the putter, he just wins. Um, Hideki's yeah. obviously lost a bit of form in the last what, 12 or 18 months, but Morikawa is playing exceptional golf, just catching blokes that are playing a little bit better than him on the day. It meant it was his first win in two years. I felt like he'd won well, over two years, actually. It was Feb 2021 that he, he won the concession, uh, yeah. which is COVID times for those people that remember COVID. That was that was, feels like a million years ago, but it really wasn't. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a good win by Morikawa. Um, Hosler still be happy with his second place, gets him into the next 10. So effectively, the the uh, elevated events for the next year on the PGA Tour, you need to be in the top 60, top 50 from last year's money list. They're already locked in, and then you need the next 10. And basically, you want to re-rank over these these uh, fall events. He's locked in now. He's locked in at number 52. So he's set 
for all those elevated events through through the next year. So he, he'd be still pretty happy with that. Um, give him some chance to win some good coin. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can I just uh, share something with you about Morikawa? 100%, please. We had um, Rick Sessinghouse is his um, – so he's his swing coach and psychologist, which is mm-hmm. very rare. Um, Rick came out to see oh, a bunch of the Aussie coaches about a year ago and really interesting insight, um, especially for anyone that's got kids um, that they're trying to get into golf. He spoke about – so he – uh, Rick coached Colin from from very young age, and you know he swings it fantastically. We know about his irons and all that. Mm. And the question was asked, you know, what what was different and all that. He said, "We did all of our work on the golf course. This kid never sat on a range and learned yeah. his swing. He learned his swing on the golf course." He said, "I wouldn't let him hit the same two shots in a row. Um, hit the fades, hit the draws, hit it high, hit it low. You know, from dirty lies and good lies and all that." I I think there's a lot in that that we, <clears throat> especially nowadays, when you go down the you know the beautiful ranges and get the perfect lies and everything yeah. and hit a hundred balls, and it's like there's it just doesn't the value in getting out on that golf course and hitting from imperfect spots and feeling the doubts and having one crack at it, um, absolutely invaluable. That was what we we took from Rick. No, mate, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think there's there's nothing better than. I mean, yeah, like you said, you get into a bad spot in a tournament. If you only if you're only practicing off great spots, it's you, you don't have that experience. You got to get used to it. Yeah. As much yeah. as I'd love to see him come and play at Royal and Ancient Riverside and get some of the lies you cop out there or the bunkers <laughs> that haven't been raked in twelve years, uh, yep. yeah, uh, I'm not sure that they'd enjoy that too much. <laughs> the last event that we, that it was on last week, uh, we didn't talk about pre-event. I'm sure someone out there cares. It's not on my list of stuff to watch, to be honest with you. Uh, Liv did do their final team challenge, um, Bryce and Deschambeau's team. Uh, so Bryce and Paul Casey, Chucky Triple Sticks, Charles Halfrey, and uh, Anraban Lahiri, they won $50 million, $50 million US for the team's event, um, which is a lot of money. I didn't see a lot of people there. I think, as I said on the podcast, in, in weeks gone by, I did play Doral uh, about three or four weeks ago when I was in Miami. Um, the course was good. Look, it, it wasn't great. I, I don't think I'd be in a hurry to go back there. Um, it did remind me a lot of a resort course in Queensland at about ten times the price. Um, but yeah, it, it was. Um, <coughs> if anyone did watch it, I hope they enjoyed it. it again, it's not my speed at all. Um, Steve, are you a, are you a live man, or are you are you not really fast, or you're you're not really precious about what golf you watch? Not fast either way. I tell you what, if I had the ability and someone said, "Here's a hundred million." Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably have my arm twisted pretty easily, I would have thought. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is different. It is, and I've said this before in podcasts, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't see the affinity with it. It's not, not for me, which is fine. I don't have to love it. Um, people that love yeah. it, I, I'm happy for them. Go enjoy it. Um, just don't keep telling me how great it is because I'm just not yeah. going to pay attention. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, the money, especially when it's your world, you know, like for someone like you, golf is your profession. This is what you do. This is how you get paid. Someone's yeah. going to pay you an exorbitant amount of money. Like some of these got paid, like Charles, um, Charles Howell or Harold Varner, who were never going to be, you know, multi-major winners. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely understand why they, some of these guys have accepted the coin and, and run away with it. Um, yeah. No, mad, and I, I think um, it's different, right? And, well, let's talk about all golf is golf. You know, you want to play mini golf or on the course and all that. Yeah. You decide what you like, take out of golf what you want. This was a foreign concept to all of us, and um, like I had friends go over for the for the live event in Adelaide, yep. and they thought it was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Now, yeah, it was the music and the party hall and everything that goes with it. And if it if it raises the profile of golf and different people are enjoying golf in a different way, then I say all for it. I'm a bit the same. I, I like the traditional forms and all that, but um, if that tickles your fancy, go for it. Yeah. I think that's okay. I think if that's what you want, enjoy it. Um, I'd never say that the event in Adelaide was bad. It was clearly very good because everyone that I know that went loved it. They raved about it. And the honest answer is if I went there, I would have enjoyed it. It's probably more for me around where that money's coming from and what they want to do with golf. I have no interest in. So that's yes. the main reason why I just don't, don't get behind it. But again, I don't I don't work in golf. I do this, you know, I'm not retiring off doing this podcast. I'll give you the red hot tip. So <laughs> it's 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 not going to be something that's going to pay for my living and my life. Whereas these guys that are going there, that's what they do. They want to, they want to make money and that's their jobs. Yeah. 
Good luck to them. Uh, before I forget and move on, I did mention a moment ago about a funny master story. It was Ricky Barnes on the Subpar podcast. So Gravy in the Sleeves, interview him. Um, it's from 18th of August, 2020. Uh, he talks about playing the Masters with Tiger and Phil and breaking into Augusta. So listen to that story. It is very, very good. I will, I will post it on the socials as well. Uh, this week's event, Qatar Masters. So the Doha Golf Club. Uh, past 72, uh, one of the first grass golf courses in the Middle East. It is open to the public. I do have a mate who has played there a number of times when he was living over there. Um, I don't know where he got the money from. It's 370 Aussie to go and have a hit there. Um, but if you're not keen to pay the 370, they do have a nine-hole course, which is all floodlit up, which is a little bit cheaper. So you can go and play at night time, which, to be honest, I'm pretty sure it'll be very warm there during the day. So I don't know how many people will be out in the in the, uh, in the summer's afternoon having a hit. Um but you know, you know, if if I do like playing in the heat, I don't know if that's the sort of heat I'd be wanting to play. It's a desert style links course. The wind's going to be up at some point. And it's definitely going to be in play for some of these guys. Water is in play on six holes, large Bermuda greens. Uh, last year, you and Ferguson won uh, minus seven from Chase Hanna. Uh, previous winners of the event: Antoine Rosner, Jorge Campillo, aka George Campillo, Justin Harding, Eddie Pepperell, Brandon Grace has won it twice. Sergio Garcia has won it, and Adam Scott has won it twice. This year, I've written down big names playing. Um, big names to stretch, but they are playing. Uh, Bobby Max probably a big name. Aaron Rye, Jordan Smith, Alexander Bjork, Rasmus Hoygaard, Matthew Pavon, and Adrian Otegui. Um, now, I'm going to put in a little disclaimer for everyone at home. Obviously, Steve-O is a professional golfer, so he is not going to be able to be betting, gambling, giving any gambling advice, which he's definitely not doing. But we are going to play Mike versus the mug. He is going to select three golfers to go up against me. Um, I'm going to give you the, – the, this is not going to help you now because you'll think you've already – have you already picked your golfers? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I can, if you've already picked them, then I can tell you the data that I'm looking at because then you, it won't help you now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this is the bit where you're the pro and I'm the amateur. I just go <laughs> by a bit of look and feel and hope for that's, the best. That's the idea. Yeah. That's the yeah. idea, mate. And we, I'll tell you, that's why we call it Mike versus the mug, right? I'm the one yeah. that's supposed to know. But I can yep. tell you for free, it doesn't doesn't work that way. My <laughs> mum will pick winners on horses because she likes the name or she likes the colours. It's not because she knows well, anything about horse racing. Tell you now, one of my tips is basically that I just like this bloke, and if you if you had the right colours on there, I just love the way he goes about it. That's one of my tips. There's no it. research whatsoever. Just I love like it. the way he goes about it. Yeah. Well, the the stuff I'm going to be looking at this week, I want guys that are going to hit greens or fringes in regulation. I want guys that got proximity. We talked a lot before Steve's um, story about the 21 putts. I want someone that's got proximity to the flag. The greens are big, um, and I want you to be close. I want you to be able to scramble if you get yourself in trouble, and I want you to hit it long. I'm driving distance this week. Weeks gone. The last few weeks we've really been looking at accuracy, tree line tracks where you just can't get yourself in trouble, and no trees here, um, and a bit wider fairway. So I really want someone that's going to get it out there and move it out there a distance to give themselves a better shot in. So rules are Mike versus the mug. The mug gets to go first, so you can literally pick uh, anyone you like. So who would you like as your first pick? Well, I'm a lefty, and my favourite lefty is in the field, so it's Bobby Mack. Oh, as soon as you said, oh, I'm a lefty, I knew where <laughs> you were going. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bobby Mack. Yeah. Um, yep. So your turn now, is it? No, no. You get all, you get all three picks. Get three. You get to take three off the board, and then I'm left with what's left. I took four. I had a spare. All right. Um, the next one, um, pass when a really good player, uh, Rosner. Antoine Rosner, yep. Antoine Rosner. Uh, and my final pick, I'm sure you won't pick this guy. I just love the way he goes about it. Got his ponytail, plays with emotion, might be known to throw a club and swear a bit. That's more <laughs> like the way I like to play. Marcel C, absolute character. He'll he either played. finish. He'll, yeah, he, he goes up and down, right? So yeah. he will either be right there or he'll miss the cut by plenty. So There's no in between. Don't pick him for top 40. <laughs> He's either top 10 or miss cut. Full he stop. played well last week. Yeah, you know, I saw yeah. him. Uh, I saw him standing off the side of the green, taking off his fancy hat with his ponytail. Um, yeah. He finished seventh last week, fourth the week before. So no, no, he's not a bad right. pick at all. Not a bad pick confidence at all. player. Right, confidence uh, player. Write yes. it down. Yeah. All right, uh, Bobby Mack, Rosner, and CM. Seem. Yeah. Um, I am going to stick with the bloke that I took last week, who gave me donuts, but he was right in the mix uh, up until I think. 
final round, I thought he might make a little bit of a charge, but he didn't. But that's Adrian Otegui. Uh, he finished fifth last year. About four years ago, finished tenth, and he's had a couple of miscuts in there. Ninth last week. Um, look, he's not he's not exactly super hot form, but anyone who's played okay here before, I do like. My next one is going to be the bloke I thought you were going to take, Eddie Pepperell. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. When you said you had four picks, um, Eddie Pepperell's a guy that has won here before, missed a cut last year, but he did win in 2018, fourth in 2015. He's, he's, he was playing really well about two months ago, but he's just fallen off a little bit the last three weeks. His last three starts, he's gone 84th, 20th, and 43rd. So yeah. not setting the world on fire, but I think he'll give me a run for my money. It's the then, same as Seam, I reckon. He, yes, yeah, he's a yeah. confidence player. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, now, my last pick, just because I like giving you a chance, I could go up the top of the board and pick one of the favourites, but I'm yeah. going to go with a bloke. You've gone with a bloke that you like. Um, I'm going to go with a bloke that I just absolutely love, and that's Mike Lorenzo Vera. Um, oh yes, he he's a he's a he's an absolute character. Again, I know I've talked a lot about other podcasts this week. I hope people listen to mine. Um, no Lang up did an interview with this bloke a few years ago, and he talked about the coin that he dropped after winning his first event and just sending <laughs> himself broke buying dumb shit. It was honestly the funniest thing you've ever heard. Absolute character. Um, his last three starts here. I mean, he hasn't played here in three years, but second, tenth, and fourth. So he clearly gets around here. All right, he finished twenty sixth last week and ninth two weeks ago so finding a bit of form playing okay here um yeah i've just off the top of my head before running real big numbers um they're going to be my three so we've got bobby mack rosner and singh versus Ategui, pepperell and lorenzo vera um i, th- I don't mind that. i think that's a pretty even split that's, between that's two pretty of fair yeah we've yeah. got a bit of a mix of everything there no i'm yeah. watch with interest this way that's it. Now, this is, again, I'm just going to say it for the second time just so we're on the same page. So Mark's not betting. So when I give you the odds this week, um, these are just me giving you an update on the odds, not Mark giving any advice on gambling. Uh, Aaron Rye your favorite at $19. Jordan Smith, $20. Alexander Bjork, $22. Rasmus Hoygaard, $23. Matt Wallace, $25. Thorbjorn Olison, $25. Yannick Paul, $26. Ewan Ferguson, $29. Bobby Mack, $29. Romain Langask, $29. Uh, Otegui, $31. I'll add him in just because he's the only one that we've got, I oh know, and Marcel Sim, 34. So, yeah, we, we've left the top of the board, so that's good. It's going to give us a bit of a chance, I think. It'll be a yeah. bit bit, um, bit, of fun. Absolutely. Uh, the other event that's on this week is the LPGA, the Maybank Championship. Uh, so it's it's a reasonable field. Um, again, the, the, the women's events are having probably better fields at the moment than the men are. Atiyah Tidikul's playing there. Um, Celine Boutier, who played very, very well last week. Uh, Jin Young Ko, Nelly Corder. Uh, Lynn Grant, Leona Maguire, Megan Kang, Angel Yin, who won a couple of weeks ago. Brooke Henderson, um, I'll probably watch a little bit again of, of the women's events this week. It's it's always a good watch. Um, yeah, Titicle's your favorite. Quarter's right up there as well. Um, anyone who is interested, I will put out a sheet with my tips um, on Thursday. Um, like I said, we've had a really good run on the tips. If anyone is interested in getting on it, just flick us an email, threeputtpodcast.gmail.com. Shockingly, the more winners I pick, the longer the list of that email is going out to is getting longer, um, which is good. Um, and if you're on Instagram, I'll post some up there. If, if I do see any sort of round one bets that I don't mind, I do put them up on Instagram. I, I probably won't just bombard people with emails and stuff like that. Um, and next week, we are heading off to Mexico. So the PGA Tour is back next week. So they've got a week off this week. The PGA Tour is back next week. So they'll be on for the PGA the, what's it called? The Worldwide Technology Championships in Mexico. Um, I'll be doing that podcast from, uh, I think I'll be doing it from here. Um, and then the week after, I'm down in Barnboogle and uh, Cape Wickham down at King Island for a couple of days for the Melbourne Cup long weekend. Are you going to do anything? Have you got any golf stuff booked in the next little bit, mate? Not at the Melbourne Cup weekend. Um, we do have something. Oh, it's we've we've, you know, when you get the boys around, we, we we've got to do it. We've got yep. these guys that I play with at Northern. There's this big argument as to who the who we call the feature group, the best group of uh, four. And our way of settling it is we're going to take a trip up the Murray, probably Rich River, um, yes. or Cobram, one of those. Love love getting up there. We're going to do a full Ryder Cup style weekend. Um, three games: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Four ball on the Friday, foursomes on the Saturday, singles on the Sunday. That's going to happen before the end of this year. So uh, yeah, November sometime. Yeah, yeah. You, how many of you are there? 
Oh, just eight. I mean, we've got a bigger group, but there's eight who, yeah, yeah two groups of four that claim to be the, the best at Northern. Yeah. Um, we're going to settle it. I think WWE Championship belt goes to the winner that we get to um, <laughs> put over the shoulder for 12 months until we have to defend yep. the year after. And we're very confident we're going to uh, come through with the goods there. I love it. I do like the belt. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, yeah. The other event that you mentioned early, early in the podcast that that um, your current housemate is down for is mm. the uh, Australian, uh, Australian, the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship as well, Royal Melbourne this week. Um, if yeah. anyone does have time, get down there and have a look. You're going to see some of the best up and coming golfers in the world fighting for a spot in this year's Masters. Oh, 20, 24 masters, I should say. Um, yeah. Free to get in, wander around, have a look at some great golfers. Um, I'm going to get down there Saturday. Um, it'll be an, an amazing event. Will you get time to get over there and have a look, or will you be working the whole time? Uh, I've got a bit of time off Thursday afternoon. So, yeah, gonna, I mean, any excuse to get over to Royal Melbourne, um, yep. you don't need to twist my arm. So, uh, yeah, these guys, it, it's fascinating because it's an amateur event, so it doesn't, um, you know, get the same attention as as the President's Cup. But this is an absolute world-class field. They're names that you don't know, but, you know, like go back um, a little while ago, you know, guys like Ricky Fowler, um, Matsuyama won it um, as an amateur. Um, you know, there's, there's guys that we know now that, you know, as amateurs we don't pay as much attention. They're incredible players. They hit the ball a million miles um, and just to see them try and find their way around Royal Melbourne would be fascinating for mine. It was windy as hell today and I know they, yeah, they they really had a bit of a battle. So, um, yeah, you'll see see the, the greatest course in the world and then some very good players. It's absolutely worth your while just to even see how the ball comes off the face with some of these players. Yeah. They, they, they really are fantastic. It is um. It is one of those things that I, I keep encouraging people to do if they haven't done, done it and go and see an event, any sort yeah. of professional event or this event, and just just see the shot shapes and the just the way that they hit a ball, if nothing else, to understand that they're just not playing the same game you are. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just amazing <laughs> to watch. It's amazing yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, and Becky Matsuyama, two-time winner of the of this event. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Mate. Really, really appreciate this. Thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, you've been busy. If anyone does need lessons, make sure you go and hit Steve-O up over at Sandy Golf Links. Um, and anyone that wants to follow you on Instagram and check your um, check your trips to Fiji, um, <laughs> they can look you up and be jealous of your holidays. Um, yeah, it's all that's there. Yeah. But thanks again, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah. Cheers. No, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it, mate. Um, we're going to have to have a go and have a hit at, at Sandy or Victoria somewhere sometime soon. No, for sure. Well, I, I just saw an email come out today that our our um, Essendon Grammar golf day is coming up at Northern, so I might put you <laughs> in under a fake name. and Throw and us in there. Yeah. Try and win, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Aaron Leesk. He tends to get me in there as, as the market. Oh, Course we do does. that on the quiet, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> lovely estate ag- agent over there in the uh, in the northwestern suburbs. He'll, that's uh, it. Yeah, he'll pilfer me in for that day. Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, who would have thought there'd be a real estate out there that's dodgy? Who would have thought it? Who would have thought that? Shout out uh, to Leesky. Guy Leesky. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks again. That's an absolute pleasure, Mike. Lovely speaking to you. <laughs>